I suppose all of us think of different things when we think of legacies. I, I of course, often think of the, uh, the Washington Mall. You know, you go down and you see all these great memorials and you think of Lincoln. And Lincoln's my favorite at nighttime. If, you ever, if you've never done the Lincoln Memorial at nighttime, do it, um, and even if it's cold. Um, it's just, a, just, just something, something special. Um, at Jefferson, you know, or, or whether you're that or some of the, you know, Washington, of course. I'm kind of a sucker for those kind of things, or the like history. And, 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 you know, one of my old, all-time favorite cowboys, old Western cowboys, um, is Doc Holliday. And uh, Doc Holliday, of course, was, was really, I think, gained more notoriety in the, in the movie Tombstone with uh, the one with, um, um, I forgot his name, not the one with Kevin Costner. Yes, he, it was, yeah, uh, that one. And... and um, it was, uh, what's, the, what's, the, what's the actor's name? The pl- Val yeah, yeah, Val Kilmer, thank you, Val Kilmer. Um, gosh, that was a great movie, and, and Doc Holliday was so portrayed so well there. So uh, uh, on the heels of that, 19, I don't know when it was, in the 90s, uh, our daughter, we, our kids, we, if you don't know us, we, uh, we lived in Vail, Colorado for about 18 years. I pastored, had the opportunity to pastor a church there for about that, that, about that amount of time. And both, both, most, our kids were all raised through high school, at least, um, there. So when you're in Colorado and you're not in Denver or Colorado Springs, you, uh, you travel if your kids do sports. It's just part of the deal. A minimum 30 minutes, um, up to six hours if, they play, if they're playing Gunnison and, um, from Vail. So it's, it's just, there's no easy way to get there. So you just see the, the world, you know, basically, at least of Colorado. And, um, and like many of you do, yeah, we have a lot of swim parents here. And, you, you know, you, you, you sit there and you hang out for a long time and you watch the 30 seconds or the minute or two minutes or whatever. Same thing, in tra- Stephanie was a big, big volleyball player, but her coach wanted her to do track just for training purposes. So in the spring, we had track, and, um, and so it was, uh, uh, she did two events, and often, you know, we, right at the beginning, you had to be there at 9 o'clock, and the other one would be like at 5 o'clock. So you'd have all the time in between, and you only eat so much. I mean, you know, you just go to places and hang out. So we were in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, which is um, just, uh, I don't know, it's about an hour, hour and a half west of, of Vail. And, uh, you know, Sean says, what do you want to do? I mean, this is like, you know, this is the hundredth time probably that we've been in Glenwood because our son played basketball and we always had games there as well. And I said, you know, I've always wanted to see Doc Holliday's grave. I want to see this big thing. And I've always seen the, I've seen the sign a hundred times. Um, Doc Holliday's grave. He, he went after, after Tombstone and all that. He ended up going to Glenwood and ended up dying there of tuberculosis. And uh, they called it consumption at the time. And uh, she said, okay, I'm up for that. So it was in, I knew where the graveyard was, and you had to, you know, it's in the spring, and you got to, it's getting a little warm, and you had to go up this, this hill. Glenwood's like 5,000 feet, so it's not all that cool. And um, a little warm that time of year. So we, we walked and walked and walked up this hill to a, a sign, Doc Holliday's grave, Doc Holliday's grave. This is going to be really, it's going to be like a memorial on the Washington Mall or whatever. And we got there, and um, there was a little sort of a, sort of a picket fence around this tree, and then there's a nice gravestone with a couple of vases, cards on the, on the gravestone, and then there was a sign. Doc Holliday is not buried here. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? And it said he, was, uh, he actually was killed in a mm, house down in Glenwood, some kind of a house of ill repute. And, uh, and, then, and then a flood came up and it took his body down the Colorado River, and who knows what happened to his body. So this is just sort of a memorial. And I'm like... Are you freaking kidding me? I came all this way, and, I, and it says, Doc Holliday has got no grave, you know? Um, 
So I'll just save you, some, I'll just save you about an hour of your life if you ever go to Glenwood. But, uh, you know, so does that mean Doc Holliday doesn't have a legacy? Because we can't find his grave? Of course not. Has a legacy. Interesting, we got to Glenwood Springs going down I-70 west. There's a patch of I- there's a patch of I-70, about a 10-mile patch, Glenwood Canyon. And uh, it took 10 years to, def- to, 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 to build that. It's just an engineering marvel, literally. And I mention that because I'll also talk about somebody else's legacy. 1919 was the year... Um, just come out of World War I, General Pershing, commander of the uh, United States Armed, Armed Forces, said, I need to know after World War I how long it would take to mobilize our troops if we're ever attacked in America. So he put this, this nobody ever heard of this, this captain, not long out of West Point, in charge of a 60-volume, is that right? Yeah, 60-volume um, convoy of, uh, of uh, basically trucks and so forth. And uh, he wanted his, 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 his job was to mobilize the men, the material, in case of a national emergency or a, a, foreign, a foreign power attack in order to access the condition of the nation's road. So they were to travel across the country, coast to coast. I'm sorry, 80 trucks. 80 trucks. And this young captain by the name of Eisenhower was in charge. And um, 1919, he did that, coast to coast. How long do you think it took him to go with, with those 80 trucks? 60 days. 60 days, and they went hard. They, they weren't doing half days. Um, General Pershing was convinced that our road system was inadequate, tried to convince Congress we needed to do something about that. Of course, he couldn't convince Congress to do anything at that point. What a surprise, right? And, um, and then World War II breaks open. Captain Eisenhower becomes General Eisenhower, and, of course, we know the rest of that story. But then General Eisenhower becomes President Eisenhower, so in 1956, so we go from 1919 to 1956, President Eisenhower, inspired by what he had seen in Germany as the German Autobahn, realizing, he believed, that the uh, Nazis probably continued the war two years longer than it should have been because they could move their troops so quickly from one end of the country to the other because of the Autobahn. General Eisenhower says, we got to do something like that. 1956, he proposes that to the... Uh, to the, in, in the State of the Union address, and of course, we now know the rest is history, and, and, and the interstate highway system, all, all 43,000 miles of it at this point in time, um, is credited by many people to know as the legacy of President Dwight D. Eisenhower. That's kind of a cool story. Now, and the question you ask yourself, well, I, I want to leave a legacy. I want to really leave a... Am I going to be able to have the opportunity to leave a legacy like that? I mean, I'm not, if I'm not a president or, uh, you know, or, or, or the lack of a legacy that I may have left, if I'd been a, a, you know, a drunken gunfighter back in the Old West, um, as in Doc Holliday's case, how am I going to leave a legacy? Well, here's the thing. First of all, we need to define what legacy is. And uh, because many of you probably have only... Whenever I mention the word legacy, you're probably thinking... Oh, yeah, I know what legacy is. That's the only way I'm going to get my kid into my alma mater, right? That's the only way it's going to happen. Um, but uh, no, um, certainly that is one form of legacy. Here's the dic- dictionary definition of it. Anything handed down from the past as from an ancestor or predecessor. Anything handed down from the past. So something handed down from parents or that we'll hand down to our kids. And, you know, legacy has to do with the memories that we leave behind, Legacy has to do with how you, how, you, how you lived your life. 
and how you treated people, beginning with your family, certainly, but it just goes on down from there. It's interesting this morning, it was especially uh, significant, I believe, in the 9 o'clock service, because last week, and most of you know this, if you were here last week, I, we had lost a, we lost a friend, and, and, and Bob... Olson, and last week I, I talked about that, announced that, and I, we did the memorial service last Sunday afternoon. And uh, Kathy, his uh, widow, was here at the 9 o'clock service, and I said, you know, we've got to deal with the elephant in the room here. I mean, that's, this is very real to her right now and to many of us who knew Bob very well. And, and I thought about that. I think about that whenever I have the opportunity and privilege um, to do a memorial service or a funeral. You think about, what are they going to say about me? Sometimes it's kind of sobering, actually. I think, oh, my gosh. Better clean up my life. Um, but legacy has to do with memories you leave behind. It has to do with how you lived your life and how you treated people. And, you know, but the most important legacy, by far, um, that we leave as kids and grandkids. You know, well-adjusted, but not perfect, certainly. Uh, kids who desire to, to honor God with their life and to follow Christ, be followers of Christ, and, and live their lives in, in a way that will, be, that will be like that. Kind of a scary part about that is a lot of what they learn is going to be what they see, not just what they hear. That's always scary to me, isn't it? Had one of those moments yesterday. We, were, um, we have a new granddaughter, three, three-week granddaughter, and, and Ike and Steph, our, our daughter and son-in-law, came over and they... Uh, we're going to go do something, go to breakfast or something. It was kind of a big event for, you know, young, young parents. And left them with us. And, and um, Charlene, you know, I'm not a big baby guy. I, you know, I don't know what to do. You know, I scare them all the time. Hey, how you doing? I just scare my own grand. So I'm not great. So I, I had the three-year-old, and Steph, Charlene was taking care of McK- Madison, the little three-week-old. And little McKenna, the, three month, three, the three-year-old, was with me, and I was reading my iPads, reading some stuff I needed to read for today, and, and she was playing with stuff, and she kept tearing down some books out of a shelf, and, and I said, you got to put that back, don't do that, and she did it again, I said, put that back, don't do that, and she did like five, I said, quit doing that, and I said, you know how the little kids, she kept doing it, I finally said, now if you do that again, I'm going to kick your little hiney, and um, she ran to her grandmom and grabbed a hold of her, her, her leg, and she said, grandmom, granddad, go and kick my hiney, <laughs> That is not the kind of legacy you want to leave, okay? That is not the kind of thing. So I had to go and apologize. I said, no, I'm just teasing. I just wanted you to stop. I was trying to make a point. And uh, you got to be careful. It's what they see. It's not just, you know, when you're in your best behavior, all right? So um, it takes a lifetime. It takes a lot of years to build a legacy. And you know what? It can be destroyed in a lot less time, a lot less time. Think of some of the celebrities that we've seen um, kind of melt down right before our eyes over the years. It takes a lot of hard work, strong discipline, sheer determination. By the way, you notice what I haven't mentioned? I haven't mentioned money, have I? I know a lot of you, and and nothing wrong with this, but a lot of you want to make sure you leave your kids, you know, something. To, to, you know, as, as part of your legacy, some house or money or, or whatever. And you, and you know what? That's fine. If, you, if, you've been, if God has blessed you in that way and you're able to do that, God bless you. But if God hasn't blessed you in that way and, 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 and you don't have a lot of money and, and you know, you're going to spend all their inheritance, which is, I kind of 
I kind of recommend that. Um, you know, if you're going to spend all their inheritance um, and they're not going to have anything, that's not the most important thing you can leave them in terms of money or houses or whatever that might be. You know, so um, wherever you are on that, it may be, it may not be. That's not what we're talking about. It's going to be your legacy. And, and more importantly, how do I build a godly legacy? How do I do that? Well, the apostle, the great apostle Paul gives us an example in the Bible. We have, it's just at a very emotional part of Scripture for me because I can just, you know, when you know in, in a sense of knowing who he is and the apostle Paul and what he was and, and capture the sense of what he, of the writing at the time. It's really the last uh, of his writings that we have for us. And you can see how that's very, uh, very touching, very poignant uh, in that. And, and it comes to us from 2 Timothy chapter 4. He's writing a younger pastor, Timothy, at this point, who's, you know, around 30 or so. Paul is somewhere in his 60s or 70s. Um, and um, he knows it's pretty much over for him for a whole bunch of different reasons. So in 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 4, just follow along, he's going to make three very bold statements that I sure hope I can make. And I'll bet you feel the same way. Verse 6, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. Here you go. One, I have fought the good fight. Two, I have finished the race. Three, I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. All who eagerly look forward to being with Christ, whether that be him coming back or us going to meet Christ uh, after, our, after our deaths. Three things here, real simple. Real simple to, to, to explain and real simple to absorb in our brain, but not always that easy to do. The first one is just fight hard. Fight hard. I have fought the good fight. By the way, he's referring here, he uses that same phrase earlier in his writing, talking to Timothy. In 1 Timothy, he says this, fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have confessed so well before many witnesses. He says, fight the good fight. So he's used this term, this metaphor, really, for the, 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 the life of faith, the journey of faith. He's used this thing as, 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 as fighting hard. And it's interesting because, I mean, when you stop and you think about it, you know, why would the apostle use that particular metaphor? Why would he talk about that? I mean, it's, it's, he's referring to boxing. It was an Olympic sport. One of the, one of the just, there weren't that many Olympic sports back then, basically boxing and running and wrestling, I think. And, uh, and so it was an Olympic sport, and he's using that, you know, fight the good fight, fight the good fight. Um, well, I'll tell you what. Sometimes the life of faith is a fight. It's a fight against distractions. It's a fight against temptations. It's a fight against getting what I call waylaid, getting sidetracked. It, it, it is a fight for all of that. And, and you know what? The stuff that, 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 can, that, that really vies for our attention and for our affection, sometimes it's bad stuff. Sometimes it's good stuff. Sometimes it's neither one. I mean, there's, all, there's always stuff to try to capture our brain and our mind and, and so forth. I was with a friend this week, and we were, uh, we were in the city doing something, and we just walked, uh, happened to walk into one of those, I don't know, one of those Dwayne, whatever they are, drugstores that's on every street corner, I think, in New York City. And um, to get, uh, we were getting some mints or something, and, and sure enough, right there, we're right there in 
as we were waiting in line, was, you know, the whole Sports Illustrated stand, you know. And it's the uh, swimsuit edition, in case you didn't know. And uh, he said, oh, it's out. I said, oh, yeah, it sure is. And the cover was like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? And he picked it up. I didn't. You must understand. <laughs> he picked it up, and I looked. I went like this. I turned my back. Of course, I did that. Um, it's a good thing pastors don't get struck for lying right here. You know? I tried not to look. Anyway, he just looked, flipped through a couple pages, and he says, this is practically porn. I said, well, I think it would have been considered porn when I was a kid. But, um, I mean, there's some, I, I don't need that. I don't need that in my brain. I, you know, and not to mention the fact that if I were a woman, I'd be like, oh, come on, give me a break. You know, this is ridiculous. Um, and some do, by the way, say that. But there are things like that that, that that try to get our attention and very easily do. Not healthy, not good. Gives all kinds of wrong expectations and... and um, all kinds of other stuff. But then there are other things that maybe aren't bad. In fact, they're very good, like my career. And I, and I got to work. And sometimes I got to work what seems like 24-7. And, 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 and it may take away. And you know what? For a season, maybe I have to do that. And I understand that. And that's part of the deal. But we, we have to stop and rethink some of those things sometimes. Okay, what am I? And really think and, and revisit that. Because uh, I know how some of you, I know some, what some of you guys do, and, and, and some of you ladies do, and some of the some of the ridiculous schedules that you have to keep for a time. And I understand that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not condemning that. I'm just saying we have to stop and think through that. Figure out how we're going to manage that. How we're going to do that. How, how, how's that going to affect my legacy? And you know, well, Dad worked all the time. Well, maybe for a little while. Maybe for a season. For you know whatever. But we have to stop and, and just just don't do that mindlessly. Think through that. Pray about it. Talk to your your, your, your spouse about that as well. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's nothing. And there's no, we, we get it, you know, hobbies or whatever, and they, they, again, vie for our attention and our affection, and, and it takes us away from something we need to be doing in terms of building our mind or our heart or our spirit. There's this, I, I finally did this the other day, this, this, this new cult phenomenon going on around. Um, it's called, um, got it right here. Um, I don't know if it'll make any noise or not. Anyway, it's it's a, it's a little it's a little thing you do. It's called Angry Birds. See, you got, you've you've heard of Angry Birds? It's really crazy. It's 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 the culture. Okay, that's enough. Um, it's a. I mean, everybody here about talking about, talk about Angry Birds. So I said, download it on my iPhone. I was somewhere doing something. I was bored, and when I get bored, it's not because I don't have anything to do. Because I'm like you, I always got something to do, but I was just sort of frustrated. So I started playing Angry Birds, and that's with these little birds. You shoot them out of us. It's a really cool game. You shoot them out of a slingshot, and they, they go kill stuff. I don't know what they do. Anyway, little pigs or something. I don't know. I'm sure P, the, the PETA people don't like it. But anyway, um, I did it about 20 minutes, and I said, what are you doing? What in the heck are you doing? You know, I, I have nothing else to do except play Angry Birds. You know? <laughs> I can assure you, I got plenty of other. I, I could have just been praying. You know, so, so the point is this, there are so many little things, and then, and then and there's other things that are much more significant and much more important, like golf, that, that vie for our attention, and so forth. Um, my point is this, in the words of the Apostle Paul, fight hard, work on those distractions, think about it, be aware of it. That's just the first step right there, be aware of it. 
Ask God to help you focus and, 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 and to, keep, to keep, your, keep focused on what's important. Fight hard. Run long. Run long. I have finished the race. You know, leaving a godly legacy is a marathon. It takes perseverance. Whether we're talking about how I live my life and all the stuff that comes into my life, or whether I'm talking about my relationship with, with God or my family, friends, others that I'm gonna, that, that's going to be affected by my legacy or lack thereof. There's a great old, I guess, verse or quote, whatever you want to call it, from, a, from an old heavyweight boxing champion, Gentleman Jim Corbett. He was a heavyweight boxing champion from 1892 to 1897. Lived in Queens, actually. His, his house is still marked, I'm told, by a historical marker there. On, uh, it's on Corbett Avenue in Queens, of all places. That's his name. I don't know if they changed the, the, the street or what. But um, he said this, and he was quite, quite, he was very prolific. You know, not what you would normally think of when you think of a heavyweight boxer. He says, when your arms feel so heavy, you're not sure if you can hold them up. Fight one more round. When your legs feel too tired to shuffle back to the middle of the ring, fight one more round. When you just want to fall down and sleep, fight one more round. You become a champion by fighting one more round. When things are tough, you fight one more round. Now take that in a metaphorical way, of course. Just one more day. I got a lot going on. I'm covered up and I'm buried. I feel like I'm treading water and I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I got nothing left, nothing left to give, but I got to get this done, or I've got a kid that is in need of my attention, or a, a grandkid, or whatever. You know what? One more day. Sometimes it's just one more hour. And that's the issue here. When we talk about not only fight hard, run long, you're in that, and that's the thing that I hear from people that, that are, that, you know, run some of these marathons and stuff is they don't think about that, that last mile. They think about the next mile. I got to get this next mile in. A friend of mine was telling me the other day, he, he was saying, you know, he, he had a big problem with alcohol. And he said, I had to stop. And he says, if you would have told me, it's been, I think, I, I can't remember, 20, 25 years since he's had a drink. And he said, if you would have told me 25 years ago that I was going to go the rest of my life without another drink, that just wouldn't have happened. I just said, I'm just going to go today, just today. And uh, it's been that many years. Um, and that's true with all of us, whether it's something we're trying to quit or whether it's something we're trying to do. You know, and, and it, it is a long term, and it is a, it is a marathon, but we have to think about that. Uh, Eugene Peterson calls it a long obedience in the same direction. I like that. It's a long obedience in the same direction. So, fight hard, run long. And the third thing is what he says, I have remained faithful. Stay true. Just stay true. Staying focused. Staying single-minded not getting what I call waylaid or, or, or sidetracked. And when you do, and you do, then you, you get back on track. Okay, if confession is needed, Lord, that was a sin, I'm, please forgive me. If that's needed, you take care of that and you get back on track. Maybe, that, maybe it's not a, a sin, maybe it's just you know, angry birds or some other silly thing that you're just getting kind of hung up on here. Just get, off, get back on track, right? That's the issue. Stay true. You know, when you talk about leaving a legacy, it's more than this. Um, 
just having a particular saying or epitaph on your on your gravestone. But it is always a good exercise to stop and think, what are they going to put on your gravestone? My grandpa, who was, um, uh, I don't know, I sometimes wonder, he always wanted to, he, always, he, he was not a, 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 a clergy, he was a, he was a farmer, basically, and uh, always was looking for the, very strong Christian, always looking, for a, always looking for the latest, greatest new church that was really good, kind of a church hopper type, you know, and, when, and uh, I thought about him many times on some of the things. I don't think he would probably like the churches that I've pastored, but I don't know, you never know. Um, but on his gravestone, he has, he had them put, as a, I mean, he was a poor guy, but he still had, he had just one thing, I said, he had, a, I mean, he got a big gravestone, I've seen it a half dozen times, and he has had a verse printed on it, which was John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He wanted that, that's the King James Version, and that's what he has on his gravestone, because you understand, according to Grandpa Teeters, um, there's only one version, that's the King James Version, and, and, and anything else is wrong, and furthermore, if it was good enough for, for Paul, it's good enough for us. So, you know, how do you argue with that? And um, I, first, year, first time I went back to school and started standing for the ministry, I went back and started talking about textual criticism and, and the original Greek, and, and all. he's like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> and my dad looked at me like, what, are you just nuts? And I said, yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. But he, lo- he, loved, he had a great love for God. And he wanted his legacy to be that, 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 that verse. So if you had a verse, I don't know what it would be. Think about that. I, my, one of my, I have a couple, but one of my life verses by, by far above any others, Matthew 22, um, and if, if, if I want to leave a legacy, this is it. I mean, I do want to leave a legacy. I hope that this will be it. Um, jury's still out on that, but we'll, we'll keep working on it. Um, Matthew 22 says this, verse, thir- verse 37. You, this is in the message ver- paraphrase. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. This is the most important, the first on any list. But there's a second to set alongside. Love others as well as yourself. These two commands, I like the way he says this, are pegs, everything in God's law and prophets. In other words, everything in the Bible hangs from them. This is a good place to start. How's your legacy? Between you and God and you and your family and friends. Is it going to be reflected in there or something else like that? I did a paraphrase of this verse because I thought, well, this would be something I'm not necessarily making any requests for my gravestone right now because I, I hope and pray that that's a, a little ways down the road. But if I did, this would be probably something like this. Uh, I just sort of did a, a very brief paraphrase of those verses in my words. He loved God, desired to serve Him with all that was within Him, and He valued and loved others. He phrased, and lived it. That's the key phrase for all of us, living it. Not just thinking it, not just knowing it, not just voicing it, but living it out. It's a legacy. One that's going to live long beyond your years. They may never find your grave like Doc Holliday's. And you may not have the interstate system to, to point to, that's a great legacy. It's the life that you lived and the influence that it had on those closest to you and those even close to them when they're talking about you a hundred years from now. 
or 200 years from now. The Lord doesn't come. How do you have a legacy? Well, a good godly legacy. For one thing, I wouldn't recommend telling your three-year-old granddaughter that you're going to kick her little hiney. That would be a place to start right there. But you're going to fight hard. You're going to, you're going to fight hard, you're going to run long, and you're going to stay true. And I want to tell you something. The key to this is you can't do that. You can't do that by yourself if you don't have Jesus in your life to give you that ability. That's, how it's, that's the difference right there. Let's pray right now and ask God to give us that, uh, that, special, that special measure of grace. Lord God, I pray that for each one of us. Help us to stop and reflect and think and, and, and just even talk to our, our, our closest friends, our, our, our husbands or wives or, or whomever um, about this. It's something that needs to be visited and revisited often. I pray, God, you'd give us the ability to live a life, not just say it, but to live a life that's going to reflect your love and your grace, our, our love for you and grace toward others. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.